Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. stole my thunder, but he is risen. Risen indeed, right? Um, welcome to the season of Easter. Easter's not not a day. Easter isn't this, this one Sunday emphasis that, that we're like, okay, well, we got that out of the way. Now what are we going to talk about? The church is about the risen Jesus, amen? And we, we, we want to stay in this season. There's a whole season called Easter Tide. It, it takes... Um, it starts, there's seven Sundays of Easter, so we've had the first one, the first Sunday of Easter is Easter, so welcome to uh, the second Sunday uh, of Easter. Um, in the lectionary cycle that we often follow, the first reading normally comes from the Old Testament, but in the season of Eastertide, that first reading actually comes from the book of Acts. And when you think about post-Easter, it kind of makes sense, right? Because Acts is this time, it chronicles this time after Easter that we're currently in uh, in, the, in the church year. I want to, before we get started, I just want you to think about that moment. Think about that reading that we had that, that Taylor shared with us of, of what, it, what it must have been like. So you had followed Jesus and you had seen Jesus get crucified and the whole city was was a buzz about that, and you went through that grief process. And then people start saying, but I saw him. But I saw him. Like, and we're 2,000 years removed, and we talk about Jesus all the time. It's kind of normalized for us. But imagine being there that week. Nine days now after the crucifixion. Nine days after that day that we call Good Friday, having gone through that grief. And, and maybe you weren't the first one that, that Jesus appeared to, but you've heard rumorings and you've heard rumblings. And there's some people that are grieving alongside of you and others that are just so ecstatic and they don't stop talking about. It's just, it's just a, an incredible time to think about. And I think that's probably why there's extra attention given to Acts in this season uh, of Eastertide. Um, but... We're going to stay in these readings from Acts for most of these weeks, for, for these seven Sundays of Easter. Um, and this week, the, the lectionary steers us um, towards Acts chapter 5. Um, and so you can turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 5 or point your devices in that way. Um, we did go to district assembly this past week, um, and one of the speakers was like, I used to hear the sounds of pages, you know, as people open their Bibles. And he said, this, this year... These days, I just look for the soft blue glow on the faces <laughs> from all the devices that are that are turning on. So, aren't we aren't we glad God's word's available to, to us in many ways? Um, 
Well, as we read today, out of reverence for the reading of God's word, those who are willing and able, would you please stand as I read from Acts chapter 5. I'll be starting in verse 27 and reading through. Of actually, verse 32. Acts 27, reading through verse 32. The apostles were brought before the council where the high priest confronted them. In no uncertain terms, we demanded that you not teach in this name, Jesus' name, and look at you. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to hold us responsible for this man's death. Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than humans. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God has exalted Jesus to his right side as leader and savior so that he could enable Israel to change its heart and life and to find forgiveness for sins. We are witnesses of such things, as is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. We don't have a kid's moment per se today, but what we did find was an interesting telling of some of this story in the form of a video. So I want the kids to pay attention to the screen. It actually gives a little bit more backstory um, to the book of Acts and starts in Acts chapter 1, but I want you to watch this video real quick as we get started. Stories of the Bible. The Apostles and the High Council. These are the Apostles. Hello! They followed Jesus during his time on earth. See ya! After he went to heaven, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be their helper. Then the Apostles spread the good news about Jesus everywhere they went. The apostles performed many miracles and healed the sick. They met regularly in the temple in Jerusalem, and many came to believe in Jesus. All this made the Jewish high priest and his officials very jealous, so they arrested the apostles and put them in jail. But an angel of the Lord came in the night Whoa! and opened the gate of the jail. The angel told them to go to the temple and tell people about Jesus. Got it. So at daybreak, the apostles went to the temple and told people about Jesus as the angel told them to. Meanwhile, the high priest and his officials called together a meeting of the high council. They sent the guards to bring the apostles out of jail. But when they went to the jail, they were gone. Wait, what? They returned to the council and reported that the men were gone. Guess what? Then someone arrived and announced that the men who were in jail were standing in the temple, teaching people. Go get them! The captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles. Come on, you. They brought them before the high council. The high priest said, We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name. Um, yeah, but... But Peter and the apostle said, We must obey God rather than any human authority. 
they told Jesus' story that he was raised from the dead after they hung him on the cross and that now he was in heaven. They told them that Jesus did all these things so that people of Israel would turn to God and be forgiven for their sins. This made the high council furious and they decided to kill the apostles. But one Pharisee named Gamaliel stood up and ordered that the men be sent outside the council for a while. Then he warned his fellow Jewish leaders that killing the apostles might bring more trouble than good. He advised them to leave the apostles alone. Good point. The other Pharisees saw his point and accepted his advice. They called the apostles in and had them beat up, but they didn't kill them. They ordered them to never speak in the name of Jesus, and then they let them go. The apostles left the high council happy that God thought them worthy to suffer for preaching the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. I don't know if I do this every time I talk, but maybe I do. I don't know. But a good summary, a good graphical representation and video representation of of the story that we just read, that the apostles uh, were committed. Let me ask you this question. What do you do with words? What do you do with your words? Start with your own words. How do you... How do you handle your own words? How do you choose what to say and what not to say? How are you careful with your words? And how are you reckless with your own words? What about other people's words? What do you do with other people's words? Let me see if you know this one. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words... You lie, you lie. They can hurt you bad. Uh, but we all know, we all know the adage, the words of advice. What do we do with words? What we do with words really matters. What we do with words, our own words, and with others' words matters a great deal. And, and I think that, that that's, that's really important and, and it's something we're going to focus on um, today. Uh, over the course of the next few weeks, between now um, and Pentecost, we're in the book of Acts. And, and just as a sidebar, I really want to encourage you guys on that, on that half million mobilization. It's really a call for the Nazarene churches in USA and Canada to, to be in prayer um, and so if you want to be part of that, that group, um, please email us, text us, let us know. We'll get you on the email list. What we're going to do is, is send a little um, prayer devotional each day from March 1st through Pentecost, June 5th or 6th, I'm not sure. But it, we thought if we send it to you, then it's going to show up in your e- email box, and that's the best chance that we have. And the teens are like, email? Who emails anymore? Um, but but we want to we wait to deliver it to you to say, um, be in prayer. 
be in prayer for the church. Um, and, and it's really a call from, from the, the leadership of the USA Canada region um, to be in prayer for the church. So I want to invite you to be part of that. Some of you have already sent me an email off the e-news that we send out. If you don't get our e-news, you can sign up for that too. Uh, but just a way to, to stay connected. But we want the church in USA Canada to be people of prayer. And it's a call, uh, a reminder back to becoming people of prayer. So that's just my plug. That's not. That's just added value today. Um, but of all the all the years um, in the lectionary cycle, I think um, this this focus in Acts really makes sense in year C. Okay. Generally, it's recognized that that the books of Luke, which is the gospel that we're focused on in year C, and the book of Acts have the same author were written by the same person. Um, it was likely a two-volume piece where, where Luke talks about the life of Jesus and the gospel starts with the, the birth narrative of Jesus and goes throughout his, his ministry and ends with his crucifixion and his resurrection. Um, but Acts picks up the story where it leaves off. There's a, there's a little bit of, of overlap there, but when you go back to the Greek, there's some similarities to the book. Similarities in tone and in vocabulary, uh, the words that are used. Um, but one of the, the purposeful contrasts, one of the things that's different about these two books is, is the directions of these volumes. What's going on in, in direction and movement in these two books? Luke... And we, and we talked about this a few, a few weeks back. Very on in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it talks about Jesus kind of set his sights on Jerusalem. Luke is a 24-chapter book. All the way in, in chapter 9, it says he set his sights on Jerusalem and was determined to go to Jerusalem. His disciples and, and his advisors, the people close to him were like, you sure you want to go to Jerusalem? Because, you know, we like to get in trouble there. It's, it's kind of the religious center. But all the way back in chapter 9, it's like um, through, this, through this 24 chapter book, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And he enters on Palm Sunday. And, and experiences Holy Week and has that upper room moment with his disciples. And then Good Friday. It's, it's it's like Luke is centering in on Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is the final destination. Acts is the opposite. Acts is the opposite. In, in chapter 1, verse 8, they kind of give a one-verse outline of the book. I'm going to flip over there because I didn't, I didn't type it out, so I don't have it here. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this. I memorized it in quizzing a few years back, but I, it hasn't stuck. Um, verse 8, rather you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses where? It says in Jerusalem and then it says all of Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. It, it's the phases of this book and the book follows it. The first part is about ministry in Jerusalem and, and the gospel starts spreading there and, and word starts spreading that Jesus is alive that yes, they killed him but He's been seen. And then it grows to all of Judea and Samaria. And by the end of the book of Acts, we're talking about Paul's missionary journey to the ends of the earth. So in Luke, you see this centering and this coming down to Jerusalem, to this moment where Jesus 
is crucified and resurrected. And then in Acts, you see the gospel just begin to spiral out and grow and spread because people can't stop talking about what's going on. The story in our text today, we're still in Jerusalem. We're still in that that smallest circle, that smallest circle of influence and spread early in the process and early in the book. But as you as you follow this book, as you and the 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 video actually did a good job of kind of highlighting some of what's been going on um, after after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. There's really only two types of stories that are happening. Okay, the first type of story it's describing the culture of the believers. What's going on in this group of people who follow the way? Some pretty amazing. Um, stories of of caring for one another and and selling their goods they gave to anyone who had need. This community of faith became not only a a, a religious group that liked to talk about God and, and was sharing their experience with Jesus, but also a caring group, a family, ones who supported each other and made sure that they were okay, shared meals in the in their homes, got together daily and worshiped. The other types of stories that we have in these early chapters are stories of harassing the believers. The, the, the religious people were like, you can't be talking about Jesus this way. Uh, stop teaching. Stop speaking in his name. We got to knock this off. This is not okay. That's really what the first five, six, seven chapters of Acts kind of bounce back and forth between. In chapter 3, there's, there's a healing at the temple gate. Beautiful. We saw that on the video. The guy stands up and wiggles his one foot. It looked like the other foot was in more, more trouble, but maybe if he can stand on it and wiggle the other one. I don't know. But after that, then, then they preached to the crowd. In, in chapter 4, they got enough attention that they were hauled in and questioned and told to stop. They were threatened and released. It says they were released not because they didn't want to jail them or they didn't want to imprison them or punish them. It says they did it because of the crowd. They didn't want to upset the crowd. In in chapters 4 and 5 there's some more culture of the believer stuff and then in 5 we have more healings. And it says the religious leaders got jealous and seized the apostles and threw them in jail. Then we have the angel visiting in the night, and all of a sudden it, 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 it springs the locks, and, and, and the disciples, the apostles, bust out, of, bust out of jail. But the angel didn't say, okay, now's your chance. Now go get away. Leave town quickly. Leave town quietly. Lay low for a couple of days. angel says, yeah, go back and do what you were doing. Do it again. Go do it again. Do it, do it some more. So the next day, the leaders kind of gather. They're like, okay, they, they get their arguments all together. This is what we're going to say. This is how we're going to accuse them. Go get, go get the prisoners that we locked up last night. And the guards couldn't find them. So they were baffled. And then someone who was with them says, I know where those guys are. They're where they were last, last time, where they were yesterday. They're, they're out preaching again. And I think for these people, these religious leaders, this Jerusalem council made up of Sadducees, made up of Pharisees, made up of of the the religious teacher types, 
and I and I struggle sometimes because in today's culture, who's that? Right? Who is that? That's me. Those religious types just had to be so angry. They're just not used to this kind of disrespect. They were the ones that were used to when they said jump, the people said how high. When they said go, people said how fast. Particularly by this one who was commanding authority and teaching on religious topics. <laughs> just wouldn't wouldn't comply, wouldn't comply with the council, wouldn't offer them the respect and the reverence that they had enjoyed their whole life and that they had gotten used to and that they relied upon to do their job and to do what they felt was their calling. This one who had been seen as a teacher and a rabbi, his followers we're leading the charge to disrespect them. We told you to stop. We told you to knock it off. And they're used to people saying, okay, yes, I'm sorry. One commentator, Richard Thompson, points out that, that their main concern was, was the implication of their own guilt. These guys kept saying, yeah, <laughs> the ones that you killed, the ones that you put on the cross, you orchestrated this whole thing. When they were teaching the people, they, they referenced that the religious leaders missed it and rallied the crowd and had him killed. This council was more worried about their reputation with the people than holy living. <laughs> more worried about the optics than the practical things. It's a good thing that never happens today. Thanks for noting the sarcasm there. In his reply, in this accusation, Peter's been, been drugged back. The apostles have been drugged back. Peter goes right back into his story, right to the heart of the matter. God raised Jesus from the dead. You know, that guy that, that you all had killed, that's the one. God has lifted him up so Israel could be changed, so they could live different lives, so they could experience forgiveness. That was the whole point of God raising Jesus from the dead. And we are the witnesses. We'll sign our name to this. We have witnessed it. We have seen it with our eyes. But Jesus is back. Jesus has been raised. And the video, the video showed it great. I can hear the religious leaders, you know, what's going on? Face goes red. There's a there's a video in my car that my kids sometimes play for longer drives, Lego Batman. Um, and there's this point in this movie where one of Batman's associates, I think it's Robin, supposed to play this this track to you know go and. And beat up the beat up the bad guys, and Robin clicks on the music, and it's this, you know, kind of teeny bop, uh, you know, pop music, um, <laughs> and this light airy music comes on, and Batman in his low gravelly voice goes, "This music is filling me with rage." <laughs> and they see that in the Jerusalem Council, 
we just told you to stop, and now you're accusing us again of killing this guy that you say is back. We don't believe you. You have no evidence. Why don't you obey us? It states that some of the council members were ready to kill Jesus, or kill these guys off too, just the way they had killed off Jesus. Let's get rid of them. Let's just eliminate the threat. Eliminate those that disrespect us. Get them out of our way. It's just easier and cleaner. But it says there's this well-respected Pharisee named Gamaliel who stands up for the apostles and recommends that they let them be, right? We didn't read this part. This is a little, little further down. But he says if, if this is of human origin, if, if this is a human effort, it will surely fizzle and fade. For many people had come to Jerusalem declaring, I'm the Messiah, I'm here, it's time to rise up. And in all of those instances where they would gather followers and they, they would lead a revolt, Rome quashed those uprisings. Rome turned them away. Gamaliel says, if this is of human origin, it will die. And it will fade. But if it is from God, they won't be stopped. And heaven forbid, we will find ourselves posturing our position against God. And there was wisdom even within the Pharisee tribe, the Pharisee group, to say, I don't want, I don't want to go against God. And in fact, after this episode, there's, there's one more story of this harassment that we find going on in Jerusalem. It's the story of the, the, the Jerusalem council raid our lands on a man named Stephen. He's drugged before the Jerusalem council just like the apostles and ends up being stoned to death. That they did take that final step in, in chapter 7 of the book of Acts. And wouldn't you know it, in chapter 8, the apostles then move from Jerusalem to all Judea and Samaria, and we start seeing the gospel being spread to more fertile ground where it can take root and eventually to the ends of the earth. But I want to go back. I want to go back in the, in the middle of this story to those first words recorded that Peter and the apostles replied. What did they say? They said this, we must obey God rather than humans. And what I want to ask you today, what I want to ask myself today, is this. What do I do? What do we do with the words, with the instructions we get from Jesus? What do we do with the words, the instructions we get from Jesus? And, and don't answer too quickly. I don't want you to answer that too quickly. We talked earlier, just, just this past week, a contingent of us went to Nampa to represent our church um, at the Intermountain District Assembly. It's a, it's a gathering of all the churches of the, of the Intermountain District, which kind of is uh, eastern Oregon and kind of southern Idaho, and it dips down into Utah and even a little piece of, of Nevada. All the, all the representatives from all those churches came to Nampa for our, for our district, district assembly. We had a great time. Um, for me, it was encouraging and challenging. I think if you spoke to some of the other delegates, they, they might agree. I hope they would agree. Um, it's always good to see friends and colleagues um, and to hear about God doing good things in our churches. But our GS, Dr. Philomau Chombo, 
shared a message at District Assembly from Luke. And my ears kind of perked up when it was from Luke. I'm like, oh, we're in, we're in Luke in the lectionary. This, this is appropriate. Um, and, and one of the verses that he read was from Luke chapter 9, verse 26. These are the words of Jesus. And he says this, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the human one will be ashamed of that person when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And as I read that verse in, on my phone, I'll confess, yes, uh, as I read that verse on my phone and, and as he read it aloud, I thought about our text this week. These two reactions are polar opposites. These two reactions, the, the reaction of Peter and the apostles is polar opposites to the one that Jesus was speaking about. What do we do with the words of Jesus? Are we, like he said, ashamed? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, do we deflect and justify and question, wonder, and, or do we climb on board with the apostles and say, I have to obey God. That's my only option. That's my only choice. That's, that's all I can do. I won't choose anything else. I have no choice. The matter is settled. Before the question is asked, the question is answered. I have to obey God. And there's no going back. I know there's been times in my, in my life, and, and, and perhaps you've heard this before or maybe even thought it. You know, preacher, I, I'm in. I'll obey. I, whatever God wants, whatever God tells me to do, I'll do it. I, I just don't know if God's ever really spoken to me, if God's ever really talked to me. If only God could speak, if only God could send a text message or two. I mean, I'm all in. Just let me know. Just talk to me. Even send me an email. I'll even check that thing. God would speak. I want to tell you this this morning. In a gentle and caring way, but in a, in a firm and solid way. Most of what God is wanting to say to you and is wanting to say to me has already been said. Right here. We don't have to tune our radio station. We don't have to point the antenna in the right direction. We don't have to sit over our emails or our text messages. It's already been texted to us. It's found right here. It, it, it speaks to our lives. But you have to read it. You have to let it shape you. You have to open your life to it. You have to allow it to read you. And that's why we turn to it every Sunday as we gather and as we come. And, and I'll tell you, I, I was good at, at finding reasons not, not to do that, not to get it done, not to spend time in God's Word at different periods of my life. It's weird taking it to school. It feels awkward in the break room at work. I can't get up early. I like to sleep in. Snooze button's awful tempting. I forget late at night. There's so much to do. I've used them all, folks. 
This is me talking. This isn't, this isn't you. And I just ask the simple question of you and of me today. Which verse do we most resemble? This one from Luke where, where Jesus warns, if, if you're ashamed of me and of my words, then I will be ashamed of you. Or are we more like the apostles that say, order me around, threaten me, beat me up, guy with the purple eye at the end of the video. I got to obey God. There's just no question. There's just no, the question has already been asked, and I've settled it in my heart and settled it in my mind that the answer has already been given in my life. I will obey God. Which one do we most resemble? It's a tough, it's a tough comparison. It's, it's tough because too often I've found myself in, in the wrong place. Maybe it's tough for, for you too. One, one of the most reorienting and recentering actions that we do together today as worship community is the act of sharing in the Eucharist sharing in the communion meal. Just instituted in, in, in the story of, of Easter nine days ago, ten days ago, as they gathered in the upper room before Jesus was betrayed. But this is the place where Christ invites us to the table, where we partake of the very body and, bread, body and blood of Jesus Christ. And remember, we don't earn it. We don't become worthy. It's not, it's not like we, we, we measure up and, and do all these things. And, and finally, it's like, yeah, I've arrived. Thank goodness I've arrived. I can now participate in this celebration. Because we don't become, it's not about our worthiness. It's not about our worthiness that, that earns an invitation to the table of grace. It is about that he is good and he is gracious and he is generous. Amen? And because of that, we can respond to the invitation that Christ gives and come to the table. My prayer for us today as we take communion is that our response might be like the, the apostles. Our response might be like the apostles that day. We have to obey God and God alone. It's not about following Man, it's all about God. I'm going to invite the, the praise team and those who are uh, prepared to serve us communion to come forward and to, to get ready. At our church, we serve what's, what's known as open communion. Um, in open communion, uh, we say if you open your life to Christ, if you're following after Christ, maybe even today you've said, I haven't been, but I want to be. I want my answer to be settled. I want to say yes. I want to say I must obey God rather than men. If you, if you make that choice today, we invite you to come forward and to participate with us in communion. Um, as we have done so here in the past about two years uh, as we serve communion, um, we're going to have three communion serving locations, one in the back and two up front. 
Um, we have gluten-free bread that we can sh that we serve, and if you want to approach the one holding the plate of bread, we will just hold out your hands like this. We'll place a piece of bread, um, which is gluten-free for those with sensitivities, and, and then you can take that bread and dip it in the juice. Um, if you're still in, in um, a mode of wanting to take precautions and and it makes you feel a little more comfortable, the person who's holding the juice will have a bowl of prepackaged elements, and you can take communion uh, with the wafer um, and the juice in there. Just take that back to your seat and feel free to, to take communion um, in that way. It was, it was on Maundy Thursday that we celebrated just not last week, but the week before, Holy Week. That Jesus gathered with his disciples in the upper room, and, and they, had, they had come to celebrate Passover. And, and, and there was a whole ritual. There was a routine with Passover. It was one of those that, that they had kind of settled into a rhythm, and, and you, don't, you don't change it. But Jesus changed it. In the middle of the meal, he took a loaf and he broke it. After giving thanks, he broke that piece of bread and he said, this is my body, which has been broken for you. As often as you do this, I want you to do this and to remember me. Likewise, after the meal, he took the cup and said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant, representative of my blood, which is poured out for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And that's the ritual that we share today. That's what communion and Eucharist is. And so as the people, uh, as, as our servers kind of take their position, um, I just invite you to examine yourself and say, is this, can I make that statement? Can I make that statement about the words of God that says, yes, I stand with the apostles today and say, to obey God. I won't obey mankind, but I will obey God. Let me pray, and then I'll invite you to come and share in communion. Lord, today we offer our lives to you, and as we celebrate this, this institution that you, that you started for us on that day, we collectively say together, our answer will be we must obey God rather than humans. For you are our guide and you are our source. May we live that way each day. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The table is set and the invitation is given. Come and dine. I'm going to invite those who are willing and able to stand for our benediction today. Uh, around these parts, we just kind of hold our hands out as a, a physical reminder that we receive this benediction prayer today. Lord, today, may we commit to this simple plan. We will obey you. In the big and the little things and the simple and difficult things, help us to simply obey you. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ.
Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.